0: Help.
1: Can I control energy costs for my business?
0: How do I electrify my transport?
1: Is cutting emissions hard? What is carbon negative?
0: You'll get the answers to all
1: these questions and more at the Big Zero Show on the 20th of June at the CBS Arena in Coventry.
0: Register for your free ticket now.
1: Big names.
0: Big opportunities. Bigzeroshow.com
1: Hello, I'm Stuart Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Now, when we started NGR News back in 2010, you know, renewable energy was one of those terms that people had heard of, but probably weren't that really a okay fait with. Move forward, 12 or 15 years uh, has gone by, and you look at where things are now, and everyone knows about renewable energy. We've got people understanding what wind turbines do. They've seen massive engineering projects. Solar PV, you can see it in, out my window right now. I can see loads of my neighbors have got it. People have heard of what wind, Uh, turbines what uh, hydropower does they've looked at things that are out there and there's a world of renewable energy that is probably not making as many headlines but there's lots of work going on in terms of biogas in terms of biomass so has it come to the age where renewable energy now is actually part of our mainstream energy and if so What is all the recent sort of political shenanigans about refocusing our net zero goals, placing nuclear in the world of kind of sustainable energy? Where does that put the renewable energy sector? Well, I'm delighted to say I'm joined by the chief executive of the REA, Nina Skorupska. And Nina, it's not just the REA, as people will probably know, but the full name is the Renewable Energy and Clean Tech Association, Correct.
0: That's right. So we've
1: evolved. You've evolved. Go back to sort of 10, 15 years, um, and I know you've been in the energy sector for for quite a while. How would you say renewable energy was seen in terms of you know the overall picture of the energy industry?
0: Well, I I think you're right. A lot. And uh, of understanding and perceptions by all and government and other stakeholders has changed in the 10 years that I've been chief executive of the REA. Um, you're, you're also right, 10 years ago, we were arguing that people needed to believe that renewable energy could be and should be part of the solutions for delivering affordable, yeah. sustainable energy, whether it's power, as you know, we know wind and solar contribute to very successfully now, but also around heat, transport, and then how we manage and balance against all the other resources. So here we are today, and as you say, um, the government, the the latest Secretary of State, Grant Shapps, um, is now in charge of a organization called Energy Security and Net Zero. And it is understood that renewables will play a huge part in meeting that net zero agenda. So the argument that we can do it with renewables, I think has been one, but about how and where and how much will it cost and which technologies uh-huh. in particular are the answers. Yeah, that, That's the thing we've still got to work through, you know, Simit, so...
1: I think for me, I like, mean, you know, I'm in the industry, although I'm not the same as you, which is fairly uh, you know, knowledgeable. I'm I'm more of a outskirts journo looking in, but you know, I suppose I made the mistake that probably most of the public would, whereas I see renewable energy as the things that people have seen. You know, you, you go and go to South End, you can see the London array. Yeah. People see wind turbines when they drive up and down the motorways in a way that they never did 10, 15 years ago. Uh get on a train and you're passing a field full of, of solar panels, let alone look around cities. But I suppose renewable energy isn't just about the kind of the, the, the sort of the, the, the air, the, the sea and, and, and the sun, is it? And I suppose that's where most of us have seen, perhaps because of the way instruments of policy and, and money, dare I say, have worked. But that's really what we see in renewable energy as, That kind of generation of solar, wind, and 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 water.
0: Yeah, I, and quite rightly because you the, they are the most visible. As you as you say, there are the the other forms of technologies. But maybe I can summarise where we're at at the moment in terms of renewable energy. Um, the REA for the last ten years at least we. We kind of hold the mirror up to the government and talk about, well, how well are we doing in terms of the renewable energy that we deliver? So I'm sure many people who are listening will be aware now that we're over 40 percent renewable power. But maybe they're not aware that, you know, not all of it is from wind or solar that we have still a significant proportion, 15%, at least, that comes from bioenergy resources, whether from the fact that we are proud that we've managed to eliminate coal from off the scene uh, quite significantly, maybe because of the energy crisis, we've had to lean on coal a little bit over this last winter, but that's because we've replaced it with sustainable biomass, but also we're making better use of the resources from waste, bioresources from, um, from farms and land and also bioresources from water and sewage and other things like that. All the things that maybe are not quite as, um, should I say, sexy as solar and wind, but we're finding the right horses for courses. Yeah. And then the disappointing thing though is heat. Yes. Would you you guess that we're in how big uh, renewable heat is in this country so far?
1: No, I wouldn't have a guess at all. I wouldn't. I couldn't give you a
0: clue. (laughs) Well, way back when, when I started, the government promised uh, that we would be delivering twelve percent renewable heat by twenty twenty and we're not even into double digits yet we're about eight and a half percent that's what we reported in rea's review last year and then do you want to have a guess at transport how much is coming from renewable uh transport uh
1: i i bet a tiny percentage probably what less than five percent exactly
0: so we, we're really embracing a whole age of electrification and, and aspects like that because of the success we've done with decarbonizing power and renewable power. But there's so much yet in terms of finding solutions for decarbonizing heat, decarbonizing transport. And um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to go do people understand it more that renewables are important and can deliver? I hope so, because 10 years ago, people thought that the whole of the world would come crashing in on our power systems if we were delivering more than 10% renewable power. Yeah. Do you remember
1: that, Sumit? Oh, no. Well, I, I've got some stats here, actually, which are quite shocking, uh, which was that in 91, which, dare I say, for me, is not that, doesn't feel that long ago, renewables were 2 two percent of all generation and last year they they were close to as you say 40 percent I mean that that is and but the thing that really got me in 2013 that figure was 14 percent so from 91 to 2013 it'd gone up by about what uh, about 12 percent and in that time it's nearly doubled
0: yeah I I think it, it, it it's not just about the technologies which are now proven in many areas, of, yeah. the, of what the you know the government you know hold high as the success of being here in the u k. like offshore wind, onshore wind, but there's reasons why that's not developing as fast as it could be because of other matters which I'm sure will come on to. Yes. and solar. So and we've got great ambitions for doing even more to achieve Net zero. So I'm excited, you know, when the government came out and said, um net zero power by 2035 and now the Labour Party's come out and said net zero power by 2030 our members two years ago when we mm. repitched the REA and we've got believe it or not we've got 550 member organizations and some of them are the usual big corporate suspects of course But what I'm proud of is two thirds of our membership are small to medium enterprises. The people who've been the game changers and making the difference at all scales from local community right through to the larger national infrastructure uh, deliberations and delivery that we need. So they all came together and said, well, we think that to meet net zero, we could see renewable power Surpassing any other form of power generation, i.e., more than fifty percent by the end of 2022. Now we've not quite met that, but I've stuck my neck out and said we can do that by the end of 2023. Oi, oi! And we got that now
1: on record, right? Okay. Barriers
0: <laughs> and and acceleration of maybe some of the. You know, announcements we've heard from government might help with that, but that's what our members believe we can do if we've got the, you know, a, a proper tailwind behind us to deliver it.
1: Tailwind. Heat, I, I like that. Is that an REA joke? Get, get a tailwind behind you. I like it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, but heat, uh, we won't see it going past fifty yeah. percent until maybe twenty thirty five, and likewise transport. So we all know where the heavy lifting has to happen. And that's why energy Mm. crisis and heat and gas and everything like that has been very much the topic of the conversation over the last six, 12 months.
1: I've got the grid breakdown here from last year. And it was in terms of renewable energy. uh, That's why wind, I suppose, is still the poster boy. 26% of the UK energy came from wind. Biomass was 5% which is quite surprising because this is biomass energy is more than solar, which is 4.4, and then hydropower, tidal energy, people have seen a lot of big projects around that, about 2%. Um, is, is this the thing that really, when we look at it, and I, and I want to break down sort of the political picture in a moment, but for most of the public, because of what they look like, because of the, the way they are, renewable energy is seen as wind. And all of the industries that are spinning off, uh, talking about, you know, uh, hydrogen power, spinning clean hydrogen, all of these things, they all seem to build on wind. People are talking about, we transition the North Sea oil and gas engineer people to build floating wind and offshore wind and different kinds of wind that are there. Does it cloud your message that there is one overwhelming sort of form of your power that in your association that seems to get all the headlines?
0: It gets some headlines but not all of them um, and I'm not bothered by it because you know of the statistics that we've just shared wind will needs and must get further attention and you know offshore wind around the developments around our coastal line makes UK a really fantastic advocate for building that technology. Only China surpasses us in the amount of deployment of wind. And I was very pleased, you know, that the UK was involved in a consortium at Sharm El Sheikh at COP27, of working with other governments to develop floating offshore wind, because that's the innovative leap of of where that needs to go. As we've learned from even the energy crisis, we really must not have all our eggs in one basket when it comes to technologies. And one of the things that I've loved about renewable energy is the fact it isn't and doesn't have to be at such a national infrastructure scale. People can choose to become prosumers We need to be able to engage people to help them make the choices of where they want their energy to come from. Now, not as you know, not everybody wants to be bothered about when they switch the lights on or heat the house of where it comes from. Of course. But people get it with their kids and everybody. Oh, yeah. Zero. And therefore, we need to be doing offshore wind, wind and you know, I have a jumper that I wear at some uh, more visible panel sessions with a big san on it. It's and. It's not either or. It's and. We have to throw every single book from the renewable energy play um, schedule yeah. on the table to deliver this net zero and at pace. And we have technologies that can deliver today. And we've got some that need further support to get them over that terrible or through what we call the terrible valley of death to get to commercialization.
1: (laughs) Have you been very lucky because your industry has had legal levers, particularly uh, look about the uh, energy market reform back in 2010, that has given subsidy, and let's be honest, public subsidy to develop particularly wind and solar. People remember feeding tariffs uh, somebody probably broke, signed up to them do you think that that's you know if you're going to really be honest was it because government made it possible to give you money from our public purse and then it, that encouraged investment from the public sectors and actually for the other ones that we're talking about the the same thing needs to happen to biogas or anaerobic recession or anything else like that
0: well, to change a major energy infrastructure, you need the support of government to kickstart that process. In the same way the oil and gas got support yeah, when true. they were building their rigs out in the North Sea 40, Correct. 50 yep. years ago. Yep. didn't happen without the support of government because of the level of not, not certainty and risk. Mm. And if you recall, so mate, back in... 2000 and something 2002 i was a trader uh, working for uh, rwe trading and M power yeah and markets were king but the thing is though the kick the markets only really were liquid for three years when you were needing investment for uh, kit change that needed to understand what the, what it would look like for 15, 20, 25 years. So you needed subsidy to help support and not completely crash the existing market mechanisms. Nobody was moving away from building gas. In fact, nobody was building gas power plants back in 2008 and nine and 10. And in fact, the subsidies that the government brought in when I became chief executive of the REA Yep. Like capacity market and then yes. contracts yep. for difference. Yeah, they were predominantly some of them was to help keep the gas stations going and some of the old coal stations going and the capacity market. So they continue. But Nina, to have you, the you know difference. as well
1: as I do, masses of money has been put into particularly wind and solar by the government. Which you know I can't remember who it was that not that long ago from the, as the solar said you know we've 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 benefited now we have to be commercially on our feet
0: uh, absolutely and yeah. and, that, and but then there was a period of what i called the bonfire of the policies between <laughs> 2017 and cut, cut the green crap
1: as they call it yeah
0: <laughs> and um we counted 19 policies that the government unraveled unpicked or changed because of the circumstances of the government's view and attitude Mm -hmm. where they were still you know exposing certain levels of ambition but the cfd auctions didn't materialize like they promised that they were supposed to be annually that's only just happened this year that is now become annually and we're in 2023 so everything stalled fortunately it was the price of solar that really, really drove the agenda, how it yeah. came crashing down internationally, which then convinced you know, um, renewable power wasn't just a, a fly-by-night thing. This was a significant world transition and UK needed to get on board or as it was gonna be get left behind. But we need to do the market reforms now Because we are saying that renewables are the cheapest form of power generation, but our rock market's not allowing us to recognize it. Yeah.
1: Let's go through a little bit of politics then now. Let's do a quick fire. Yeah, yeah, I know you like this bit. Here's the quick fire thing, right. (laughs) Reaction to some basic things. Um, The budget, which was very recent. In particular, this idea of a, a reset of where net zero is, and also nuclear energy being called a sustainable for what's your take on the budget wider and then that point about nuclear
0: i will do those things absolutely but i'd like to rewind a little bit because we did have a little bit of a a brouhaha around various numbers of prime ministers and uh last year <laughs> yes and a check about whether net zero and going for that was going to undermine the uk economy because of energy security
1: yeah
0: and there is still a tussle right at this moment in time around the people who think that energy security means more oil and gas
1: investment
0: and those who believe we need homegrown energy from our renewable uh, and, and accelerating renewables deployment there is a clear divide, even though the government in its recent announcements are trying to say we need to have everything, and uh, you know, and I obviously have my preferences of where the money should be being spent, particularly if our ambition is net zero. But the Chris Skidmore review, which is just one bit earlier, yes, like we liked that because he finally, in a very short period of time. Did the net zero review and came out with the mission zero report in january after only what four months have you heard of such a short review and a report coming out it's because he's leaving
1: government your parliament that's why he needs to get us (laughs) he wants to do something because he i mean i met him a few weeks ago and he said look i've been able to get on with it by myself and which is you know because he's been slightly satellite but come on nina on those two things the budget and nuclear being sustainable, where, where do you see that?
0: Well, the, the budget, you know, got out from the Chancellor some commitments around supporting carbon capture, usage yep. and storage, yep. and the hydrogen economy, and, yep. and the aspects around that. And for some of the fueled renewable power technologies that we do represent, carbon capture, usage and storage needs to press on and determine whether it is a commercial and viable uh, technology. Uh, One thing I didn't mention uh, when we were chatting, I worked on the very first carbon capture and storage tranche of projects back in 2004 and five when I don't, I can't even remember what the government department was called back then now.
1: It was DEC, wasn't it then? Oh no, no. Before DEC.
0: Before DEC, yeah. they put a billion on the table then and nothing came of it and they were hoping to have a commercial carbon capture and storage plant operating by 2020 and hey ho here we are in 2023 so i really believe that there's some opportunities but we've really got to make it work and happen i'm disappointed that the early hydrogen agenda activities predominantly supporting the creation of hydrogen from um, fossil gas so Mm. uh, we needed to see some stronger and clearer signals and there are some um, projects that have received some support on the smaller scale for hydrogen coming from electrolysis linked to renewable power but you can see that there's a lot that their support for the oil and gas sector, and we know that it's important for us to ensure that we have, you know, a fair and, a, you know, transition of skills and labour from one sector to the another. Of course, yeah. But oh, come on, so much more could have been committed to, uh, and giving more detail around how the fifty gigawatts of offshore wind's gonna get delivered and the 70 gigawatts. But in the recent announcements, you know, I'm pleased to hear we're gonna have a solar task force. Um, They're gonna be tackling some of the major, major barriers that are stopping people and the money flooding into the UK to see more renewables deployment, planning, grid, you know, the whole of those different aspects around it the Sir Patrick Valance section of the report that the REA and its members spent quite a lot of time feeding into. And I'm yeah. really pleased to hear them come through with some of the uh, appropriate findings. And some of the barriers are pretty, pretty fundamental, so that like for instance, making sure that the regulators are fully staffed and skilled in order to do their jobs. At the moment, many of the projects linked in the broader net zero camp, like the areas that I think you're becoming more interested in, like land, agriculture, composting, use of resource, all of those things are held in abeyance because we haven't got an effective regulator able to come in and assess, approve, deliver, and then enable projects to come forward. I think the messaging that's come out of the spring budget and the recent, um, uh, well, not so green day, maybe Energy Security Day or Green Energy Moment Day, I'm not sure what the title absolutely was, with the 40 documents. We need to make sure that there's material things, actions coming out of it. We're tired now of ambitions. We need those actions to help get renewables deployed. You asked me about nuclear? I did, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so and I, just I need-
1: before, before you answer, this is quite interesting. You know, I, I mean, this is the, again, I'm quoting from the National Grid website here. And this is for about 2019. And they said in 2019, zero carbon electricity produced uh, production overtook fossil fuels. Uh, While on August 17, uh, renewable generation hit the highest share ever at Mm -hmm. 85%. And that 85%, which they call renewable generation, was wind 39, solar 25, nuclear 20, and hydro 1.
0: Well, I think they made an error. I don't, I don't know if they called it renewable generation. They call it low carbon generation, don't they? Somebody?
1: They do, but they've put here, I've actually got it here, renewable generation and then the percentage. Yeah, with I, I, they're quoting. So, I called but, them but,
0: to task yeah. on that. I really yeah. did. <laughs> I did.
1: But, but look, that's where we are, which is, and, and, you know, a lot of people, dare I say, from the nuclear industry have been quite Magnus to say, we don't want all the money, but yes, we need nuclear and we need renewables, whatever. I generally found, and I might be putting words in your mouth, but people in renewable industries are kind of very against nuclear. Where, Where do you stand on this idea of nuclear being a form of sustainable energy, as the government has put it, and investing in it alongside everything else?
0: Well, I think the reclassification of it is semantics. You right. know, it's a human construct when people decide to put various different forms of generation in different categories in order, predominantly that classification is around to allow nuclear to enter into another form of financing that is, you know, in the sustainability camp because yeah. of all of the TCFDs and Correct. ESG yeah. and corporate. So. It's semantics, really. Yeah. Um, I disagree, you know. Fair basically. enough. Um, it's not a renewable, and it, and it and it's not right to classify it in the same category as the true renewables. Now, people will be arguing then, as we started off the conversation, uh, what's your definition around sustainable bioenergy, <laughs> and yeah. solar and wind? <laughs> And then you'll have people who will then argue around. Well, what about the critical minerals and resources for solar? Oh, you and knew where I that's... was
1: going. You knew I they... was going next.
0: <laughs> and everybody will dive down into the particular areas of the things that they don't support as their predominant lead area. Now, the REA does not represent nuclear industry. And we have taken the position that we argue from an economic point of view, because there is enough renewables and clean technologies, such as energy storage, EV charging infrastructure, and the growth of EVs, that we can balance a system with dispatchable power from all forms of renewable power and other. Forms of the way that our infrastructure will interact with our future landscape and the way we live.
1: So do you, I mean, look, I mean, let's. There, there's obviously people have. There's a very emotional thing with nuclear as well. I, I, I don't know why. Maybe because of people equate nuclear with nukes. But anyway, but do you think your members would say, in general? that they can see that there's a mix or is do you think if we're talking really honestly there is a sort of schism that that people kind it's, of accept that yeah. nuclear is low carbon but they do not see it as any form of kind of sustainable or renewable
0: i think the latter you know that's yeah. low carbon for sure and as an engineer we can absolutely deliver you know secure and reliable nuclear, and by the way, you know when there's been major incidents when I was working in trading when the market had a major perturbation, it was nothing to do with renewables. It was when a nuclear plant fell over and it was off for a very long time. Yeah. And, and I think what's quite exciting is people embracing that um, with the delivery of renewable power at all scales, Uh, both in the home, on industries, on site, we are delivering a much more secure system um, than people believe, because the need for it to, the the critical aspect is around grid, the IT and technology to do all the balancing, and also how... um, We can make sure that we have that smart technology that everybody can engage in. And we're on that journey now. It just needs to go faster. The tricky thing is what happens in the middle of summer when we've got the 70 gigawatts of solar um, when we only really need um, in the middle of summer, even with increased EVs, if you double it, 50 gigawatts of power.
1: Where, where are we going to store it, Nina? This is the thing, isn't it? Hey?
0: Well, I think there's this uh, colour of hydrogen, and I don't ascribe to colours of hydrogen. <laughs> I prefer to talk about net zero hydrogen. Because yep. we have a very strong working group or forum within the REA, based on our experience of developing green gas options of biomethane, that we have a very pragmatic hydrogen group who have really... Attuned to delivering net zero hydrogen. Um, I think that's where people are going to be saying that's what they're going to do to deliver long duration energy storage with hydrogen. And I was in a debate just last week with the leading lights of academia yep. across Oxford, UCL, Imperial College, Nottingham, everybody. We're all going hammer and tongs about working out what is the best form of long duration energy storage and we're just working through all of that and hydrogen will have a role to play in that they certainly will But sorry two things
1: because i know time is getting up two things i want to cover with you before we go the 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 first is and i just did a podcast on it uh the week before e-fuels and i hadn't really understood where e-fuels fit in but the idea of whether it's um, sort of solar generated e fuels using carbon capture, adding that, the, the hydrogen, uh, creating methanol, ethanols, but also how it could help with, with the big challenge of transport in other parts of the world, right? If we go down electrification here, but there's lots of ICE cars that actually, if you go and get rid of them, the footprint and the damage to the environment of scrapping these things could be appalling. So before we, we go, um, renewable uh, energy fuels from various sources what role do you see them having in getting us towards net zero and you know could there be biodiesel now to keep tractors going or keep uh, trains on the road uh, and and where where do you see that side of the industry growing over the next few years
0: well i think it isn't it is a transition it really is as um people's investment in their kits in whatever and how they deliver their business or drive their vehicles or choose to fly, these are lifestyle impacts that um, we need to make that technology and the resources available. Uh, the fact that you know the uh, aviation fuel and looking at how to replace uh you know the the fossil jet fuel supply we absolutely have to grapple that and work through it. We have members working on, for many times, working on biodiesel from sustainable sources, utilizing waste. We have to revisit every option around how best to use resources. Um, Whether the debate will be, should we be using bio-derived materials for one particular sector, whether it is for, chemicals or for other aspects rather than for burning in energy. I think the economics will weigh that through and that's where carbon pricing and the right signals will help drive that. We just have to prove that we can get the costs down and then understand where the best commercial way of of cutting our carbon footprint to meet our greenhouse gas uh, challenges allows us to go forward our members are really ingenious you know some of them 10 years ago started in solar now they're embracing battery ev charging infrastructure and it and delivering total solutions to business and industry who'd have thought who'd have thought just 10 years ago so things don't stay the same on a number of very true And therefore, it's about us harnessing and painting the right kind of picture and creating the framework working with government to enable those solutions to come forward at pace. The government has to create the framework. They pick a few, one or two winners that we know, but they must create that capability for us to bring forward other areas, whether it's heat pump, ground source, deep geothermal development. To capturing waste heat from sewage and poo, for instance. I, I oh, mean, yes. In my interview, I'm talking about poo. But we have not yet scratched the surface of how we can deliver all of those different solutions. But a, a knot of eggs have got to be cracked in order for us to write the proper, and I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this, net zero omelette that we want.
1: Hey. <laughs> That's the that's the clip I want. The net zero omelet. The, the tailwind has been there, but now we've got the net zero omelet. Okay, my last question to you. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's good. Uh, when do you stop being the renewable energy association and just become the energy association? Or will uh, that happen?
0: Oh <laughs> uh, that was that's a fantastic question, really, because there are quite a few trade associations about and the The pitch I make for the REA is that join us if you want to see that net zero future. And our USP is that we don't pitch one technology solution. So we're not just solar. We're not just wind. We're not just bioenergy. We are about understanding what needs to be delivered for society going forward.
1: Well, I think the thing is, you know, no one can deny that if you asked... 95% Ninety-five percent of people on the street, they they really just say it makes sense to find things that are naturally renewable and to use them. Um, obviously, we all know the footprints that are involved in all of that. But um, uh, the other five percent, God knows what they're thinking. Anyway, so <laughs> Nina, I expect in ten years' time that you've taken over the world. It is the Energy Association. Yeah, we're all green, and we're yeah. all driving in carrot-powered cars. I like that. I, I like that vision.
0: It's quite a picture that you're painting there, Cynic, but I I can go with it.
1: (laughs) Nina, you've been absolutely fantastic uh, talking. Uh, Please come and, if you get a chance, come and see us in Coventry at the Big Zero Show. Uh, I'd love to have you there, and definitely we'll get you back on and we'll do more. And I know you do some brilliant work in terms of. uh, you know, passion of mine is getting more uh, gender diversity in energy sector, and yeah. you've been very passionate about that. So I'm sure we'll speak soon, uh, but thank you so much for today and joining us on the Net Hero podcast.
0: Oh, well, thanks very much, Sumit. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Sumit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to net zero and want to be featured on the podcast, Email NetHero at FutureNetZero.com. Follow us on social media. FutureNetZero.com. Better business, better planet.